0: Welcome to the Tailored Life Podcast. I am your host, Cody McBroom, the CEO of Tailored Coaching Method, a world-renowned online coaching company. This podcast is built to help you create a life by design. That's what the Tailored Life is. It's choosing to blaze your own path, make your own decisions, and create a life you desire. So in this podcast, you're going to learn ways to optimize your body, optimize your mind, optimize your relationships and optimize your business and career this is the podcast for personal development junkies and people who can't stop growing because they strive for more we are also going to bring on experts in every single field to teach you their own expertise so you're not only learning from me four days a week but i'm bringing other professionals in to teach you their principles too so if you love personal development and you constantly want to strive for more in life This is the podcast for you. Make sure you hit subscribe, send this to a friend that needs it, and keep listening to improve your life all around. And without any further ado, let's get into the Tailored Life podcast. Wow. We just had literally, and I'm not exaggerating when I say this, (laughs) literally the originator of tracking macros, the original. The OG of flexible dieting, the guy who literally created the dieting style, flexible dieting. He influenced some of the greatest people in the industry, some of the people who popularized reverse dieting and tracking macros, people like Eric Helms and people like Lane Norton, people that all of us know, look to for knowledge and and have learned from over the years. Well, Dr. Joe Klemczanski is the original flexible dieting guy. He is the diet doc, quite literally. That's his business name. Um, And he's had a massive impact on our industry. And, And technically, if you are watching this and you track macros or you coach people how to track macros guess what it's because of him <laughs> he literally started this so i'm extremely grateful for him i've been learning from him for, for years uh so i was a little starstruck to be able to have him on it was really really cool uh just to talk to him and dive into some really cool topics we di- dived into uh how high carb low fat diets are actually more beneficial study after study after study than low carb high-fat diets like keto or just low-carb in general, which I think you guys are going to find really, really useful and appealing because most people assume insulin's the boogeyman and you can't have too many carbs. Well, false. Study after study shows that high-carb approach actually outperform and it was cool to have him come on and really break that down for us. We talk about, like, the history of flexible dieting and what flexible dieting actually is and how it should be used, how to combine flexible dieting and intuitive eating together. Um, We talked about a lot. We dove into his specific mastermind, which I would highly recommend everybody check out. It's literally only $10 a month and you get an unbelievable amount of value from some of the greatest people in the industry every single month. Um, And that link as well as his Instagram and all that stuff is going to be in the show notes. So make sure you give him a follow, check out his websites. Uh, He puts out a lot of good content. He's one of the most trustworthy sources when it comes to nutrition coaching or macro in general. So if you enjoyed this episode, please do me a huge favor, take a screenshot of it, share it on your Instagram story and tag us both. Mine is at Cody McBroom. His is at Joe Klimzinski. You're probably not going to be able to spell that. So check out the show notes of this podcast and you can see it, click it and just go over to Instagram, tag us because we want to thank you and we want to share it on our story. Um, And last quick little thing, whether you're listening to this on iTunes or if you're watching this on YouTube or Spotify, wherever you're at, Do us a huge favor, either A, subscribe to the iTunes, actually not either, do both. Subscribe to the iTunes, go over to YouTube, subscribe to that too, the Tailored Life Podcast and the Tailored Life Podcast Clips. Uh, We would appreciate your help growing those channels because we wanna get this information out to more and more people completely free all around the world. So without any further ado, let's talk to the diet doc himself, the originator of flexible dieting, Dr. Joe Kulzinski. All right, so the diet doc is on the podcast today. I am super excited to have you. Uh like I said, before we started Aaron, I've known of you for a really long time. I've learned from you for a long time. And a lot of the people who I have learned more about nutrition coaching from in the industry uh, have all learned from you. So you're kind of like the OG of flexible dieting and macros and stuff, which I think is uh, it's exciting because it's something I preach. It's something I talk about in, in, whether you realize it or not, indirectly, you've influenced our coaching company tremendously because we use a flexible dieting approach. And and we have seven coaches that are located around the world. And we work with people everywhere. And we have a mentorship that we help other coaches do this. And, and you're one of the originators that really helped me figure this stuff out way, way back. So thank you for all you do, man. And I'm really excited to have you here.
1: Well, likewise, Cody, it's it's fun to see exactly what you're doing and and doing it well. So uh, you're exactly right. When I started out 25 plus years ago, it, I didn't intend this to happen. Um, I, I I was the first person to do in a coaching business model. I, I can't even say it was necessarily online at that point because there was no such thing as online when we started. it was it was through email and so forth, but also a lot of a lot of you know, going to contests and that kind of thing. So, to, to see what, where this industry has gone in the last 25 years is amazing, especially when I see people doing it well and doing it right. Like you. So I'm, I'm just ex- excited to be here. Appreciate you having it, me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's a pleasure. So uh, fill us in on how you got into it in the first place. So 25 years ago, when you started doing this, what, what drew you into the, I believe it was the bodybuilding scene mainly mm-hmm. at first, but what, what brought you into that?
1: Yeah, I think like anybody getting started, we we probably share some common roots. So as a little kid, I'm interested in making myself better, you know, for sports primarily. I was I was a baseball player, so lifting weights for that. Then you start developing some muscle and you start seeing people on the big screen, you know, back then Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, Lou Ferrigno, people like that. And, and then you realize, wow, there are muscle magazines. Again, pre-internet days was a little bit different, but there was still material out there. You just had to go go find it. And so like many teenage boys, I just started lifting weights and I, and I want to do this and, and look my best, feel my best, perform my best. And then when I, when I left home to go into the military, all of organized sports was behind me uh, but I still had that thread of bodybuilding. I had been subscribing to Muscle and Fitness and Flex magazine since I was 12 years old. So I was I just continued to train. In the back of my mind, that was always kind of a goal. You know, I, I want to compete in bodybuilding. And, and so even in my mid to late teen years, I, I set some goals that I, I, I don't even recall now if I really thought I would achieve them. But I wanted to compete as a bodybuilder before I was 21. I wanted to turn pro before I was 30, and uh, and I achieved those goals. I competed when I was 20, uh, won my pro card with the WMBF when I was 27. And so along the way, even educationally, I started steering my career in that direction. I, I started out in business management and marketing, and then right around my senior year, I thought, I, I just can't see myself doing this for a living. So I switched over. There was, there was even no such thing back then as exercise science or you know, not, not nutrition in general, you could become a registered dietitian. So I, I went physical therapy, somebody talked me into it, saying, hey, this, you might like this. And so I, be, I became an orthopedic physical therapist and still bodybuilding, that's when I, you know, earned my pro card is when I was working as an orthopedic physical therapist. But as soon as I was out of school there, I thought, I, I just wanna keep going to school and learn stuff. So I ended up doing a doctorate in nutrition, and that led me later on to start uh, to, to leave physical therapy and, and buy a gym and, and kind of create more of a corporate wellness center where I could start doing nutrition programming. And then, as a pro bodybuilder who had a background in nutrition, a, a doctor to nutrition, magazines started asking me to write articles. And in my own particular practice, I had started doing macronutrient based tracking. And it's something that I had discovered in my own competition, Cody, because people would you know, pass around copies of copies of copies of Flex Magazine articles, here, eat this many ounces of protein and do this and this. And I, you know, I wanted more flexibility than that. I actually had kind of a, a bro-influenced guy in, in our gym who, was, you know, who would help you know, bodybuilders get ready for contests. He was a competitor himself. And so he was, he was kind of the alpha leader who would tell everybody what to eat. And I would look at these sheets and I would think, well, why, if I can eat these foods, why can't I eat those foods? And they would say, just shut up and eat it. If it's not on the sheet, you can't eat it. So, you know, me being the guy with the the nutrition background, I started just breaking these things down into macronutrients. And if they said, eat this, I would just do the math and I would eat what I wanted. So, So I was already doing flexible dieting. So I started teaching that to my general population clients. And of course, it worked because it it, it diffuses that rigidity. It, you know, it it allows people to have some flexibility, some social flexibility. Uh, we'll get into this later, but it doesn't mean that you just eat anything you want. It we still have health values and and food based principles that that help us achieve our goals and help us you know stay healthy. But, uh, but there was just that nuance. If, if I didn't want chicken, I could have turkey. If I didn't want a can of tuna fish, I could have egg whites. If I didn't want rice, I could have potatoes. It's just like that simple. You can just do math. So, so I started writing about that in some of these magazines. I, I've written for Muscle Media, uh, Muscle and Fitness, Ironman. Uh, I was the, the science editor for Chelo Publishing that did natural bodybuilding fitness for almost 15 years. So I was constantly under the gun to produce content for these magazines. And one of the things I would talk about was flexibility diet or flexible dieting, macronutrient-based tracking. And so that's where it all started. And then I started working with clients, you know, being the guy writing in these magazines, people started asking me, Hey, can you help me? I got a contest coming up and I would help them a little bit. And then I thought one day, you know, this kind of seems like a business, like maybe I should be charging for this. So I, 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 started creating some ads. I still remember, uh, you know, the first little third page ad, I put natural bodybuilding and fitness because I would trade articles for ad space. And I think, Hey, I'm going to try this, you know, Dr. Joe, perfect peaking specialist. And all of a sudden people started hiring me. And again, this was, this was late nineties, early two thousands. So there weren't even smartphones or anything like this. It was all just very email based and uh, you know, start helping people win. Uh, it, it, at one point I was, I was, before I started even hiring my own coaches, I was up over 400 pro cards for clients, 150 pro titles for clients. And then of course came the wave of people doing it too. So, uh, the, the day Lay Norton walked into my office, cause he also, he grew up in Evansville, Indiana, where I'm sitting right now. So 18 years old, he walks into my office and, and wants me to help him for a, a bodybuilding contest. And then through this whole process, he he decided he wants to do coaching as well, and so I advised him the best path to do this is educationally. So of course he did. He ended up getting a doctorate in nutrition as well, and then he started coaching people. And you know that 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 was just kind of the tip of the spear. So you know the 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 phylogenetic tree, so to speak, of nutrition coaching, you know, started right there. And has just broadened out immensely to what it is today. I, I one you answered like
0: three questions I was asking. Two, I have like five more now that you just went through that. Um, and it's 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 a cool example using Lane because he's just done so much now. He's such a well-known figure in the industry. Um, but there's so many more that you have influenced that I know of too. So it's it's really cool to hear. And it's and it's for people listening, it's pretty cool because you're literally the originator, uh, in a sense, you're the originator of counting macros. Like That's, mm-hmm. a, that's a pretty k- crazy title to hold. Um, really, really cool title to hold. And one of the questions I was going to ask you is how flexible dieting originated. And you kind of already went into that quite a bit. But can you explain like what exactly it is? Like I've heard stories from people like Alan Aragon and stuff of like, oh, it started in bodybuilding forums. People asked, could I have a pear instead of that banana? And I was like, sure you can, as long as you hit your macros, you know, and then it kind of spun out of control into if it fits your macros and then i think that's where it kind of got out of hand personally that's my opinion but i'd love to hear your opinion on that and and how it was intended to be and how it kind of escalated since then
1: yeah it it it, you know i think every good idea kind of spawns more good ideas so we all stand on the shoulders of giants so as i was sitting in my office in my gym working with general population clients uh you know, as I say, invention is the the mother, or, or necessity is the mother of all invention. And as I'm working with these clients and they're having struggles and they have certain needs, and you start working through that with them, it just became apparent that hey, you you need some flexibility. You need to be able to kind of roll with the punches of life. And if your schedule normally is like this, but it's not today, you know, it it just became very obvious to me. And Weight Watchers, of course, has been here probably since the 60s or 70s. So it's not like I invented calories or tracking at all. There were people using points and uh, even the zone diet was really popular and he would break things down into these blocks. So you could have this many blocks of protein, this many blocks of carbs. And even people I would follow, like I would read Chris Aceto articles in Muscle and Fitness and it was units. Now this is a unit, one unit of this is a serving of this but nobody was going down to the basic elements of just grams of protein carbs. So you had to do these multiple factorial calculations, like what's a block, what's a unit, what's a serving. And I, I was the guy, so just, just do the fucking math. Like it's just math, it's right there on labels. You know, you can, you can look this stuff up you know, and, and that allowed you to have more flexibility. So again, this was pre-forum, this was pre-internet, this was pre-bodybuilding stuff. And, and one of the things that, that Lane likes to do, because you know, he, he and I have been friends since he was 18, and, and he'll, he'll say that he is the guy who popularized it. He'll say, you know, Joe, Joe did it, but I popularized it. And that's entirely true. You know, I was busy in my business, doing my thing, working with clients, writing for magazines, and he was that booming voice on the forums, you know, like, you know, before there was even social media, before there was Facebook or anything else. He was on bodybuilding.com. He was on all these forums answering questions. And so absolutely, that's what it started becoming very well-known and and popularized.
0: Okay. Yeah. And and with that, what is it? Can you define it? If somebody comes into your office and like, okay, well, what is flexible dieting? How do you describe it to people? Because I think there's, you know, some people assume it's just that you can eat whatever you want and fit in your macro. Some people really emphasize continually, like you, you can eat, you can fit in whatever you want, but you have to eat healthy. Some people talk about ranges, which is something I talk about. And I've heard you talk about too, of like, well, it also means that if your protein is set at 200 grams, you don't have to hit 200 grams on the dot every single day. It's, it's flexible from that perspective too. So how do you break it down and what do you like to, to kind of define it as for people?
1: I love this question, Cody, because it's exactly why I created the Flexible Dieting Institute. You know, now that it has become so mainstream, my my attitude 20 years ago was it's so common sense and it's so logical. Like it's not a thing. It's just math. There's there's nothing to it, there's no methodology to it whatsoever. But that's not how people think. You know, our brains like to label things and categorize things and and Pit things as you know right or wrong, or this is the best, this is not, and so I, I understand that was kind of a losing battle. That this, you know, and, and maybe to my benefit, you know, if I if this is a thing I can say I created, maybe I should have capitalized on it better. But uh, now I've had to circle back because of all the confusion and say that yeah, it's not it's not a way to eat as many Pop Tarts and donuts as you can in a day, and say ha, I still got lean. There, there has to be some structure because that's also what people need. You know me to this day i haven't competed in 15 years i retired that long ago and yet i still probably eat 80 percent of the same foods my breakfast is the same every day my lunch is the same every day my pre and post workout is almost the same every day the flexibility that i use is when i want or i need to do something different and and so my my health values maintaining my body composition my performance my health where i want it to requires that i follow certain nutrition principles you know i'm i'm not going to eat crap all day and and then pretend that's healthy it's just you know it's obvious so what i tell people and this is another term i I've, I've tried to to use to explain it is it's not structure versus flexibility it's not structure or flexibility it's structured flexibility mm-hmm. it's how can i take the flexibility i need but still use it in a structure that's helpful to me. Because if I had to think every meal, what am I gonna eat? And I had to get out a food scale measuring cups and figure all this out. I mean, think how much wasted time and frustration that would be. I know what my body needs. I've done the math. It's, It's like learning to ride a bike or learning a foreign language. Once you have it, it's a tool to use. So now I use that tool to reach my goals and I'm flexible when I want. And so. When, when I teach a new client this, and we have new clients coming in to our company every day, just like you, Cody, you know, we start with those basics. Everybody needs some guidance first. You know, that's when we need the baby steps. So I'll give people a sample meal plan. You know, you tell me the foods you like, you tell me your schedule, I, I know your goals. So I'm going to look at energy balance calculations and, and create a macronutrient profile in ranges, as you said. And then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to create a, a sample meal plan. I'm going to show you how this can work. And if you were to eat this every single day, just as I laid it out, it would be a fine meal plan. It, it'd work well. But I know you won't, and I know you can't, because every day is not going to be the same. So let's already start to make some changes in this if you want. But then once we get into day one and two and three and four let's start practicing where you may want to make some exchanges. And and there are even different levels or different ways you can make those exchanges. But, you know, ironically, Cody, if you just start with people and say, Hey, here's some numbers. It's just math. Go do it. Um, As some, some coaches do. uh, This is going to lead to a lot of frustration with people because they, they want some kind of systematic approach and they want to know that they have the confidence in doing the right thing and that it's going to work. So, even though you and I know infinitely more than those clients just getting started, there's almost a developmental process for them to learn how this works and and pick up speed and gain confidence. And then all of a sudden, you know, they're doing it well. And and now they've got this lifelong skill.
0: I think you didn't directly say it, but to me, the goal in that is the educational practice of that. Right. And I think that, the problem with just giving macros or just giving a meal plan is that there is no education. So if you give them a sample and you explain why the sample is the way it is and like why this protein is here and how much of that protein is here and how all these other proteins could be there if you wanted them to, you know, and I think that that learning process is really what gets people to sustain the practice. And that's, and that's ultimately what it's about, right, is actually sustaining that practice. And you, you mentioned, you know, you just know this stuff now. And I saw a post that you did about uh, combining intuitive eating and tracking macros and, and is this kind of what you're referring to is like using macros as a tool to understand how to eat for your body and then allowing yourself to be intuitive with it until you need to be flexible and that's where these numbers come into play because then you can actually punch in the flexibility if that makes sense
1: absolutely yeah so think of somebody who's got some really high performance goal you know if, if you're a world champion bodybuilder getting ready for a contest you're going to be much more disciplined and much more focused on on the details because it matters. I mean, you're going in to win something. You're 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 in that warrior mindset. Well, compare that to a, to an accountant who's a hundred pounds overweight and they're sedentary and they're just you know they're trying to improve their life and and live a normal practical life. There are different levels of of intuitiveness we can use and flexibility we can use. And even though that person who's going to be super focused on an external goal, uh, they can still employ as much flexibility as they want. But but again, think of the the rote time saving that people have, you know, when, when people send you pictures of their refrigerator in their 32 Tupperware containers of, of all of their meals and they're all exactly the same and labeled with the macros. You know, that's, that's a great time-saving device for them. They got their food prepped. They, 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 they just do it. That's, that's part of who they are. Not everybody's like that. Mm-hmm. And so we as coaches have to have the mechanisms to teach them along the way. And, you know, there's also a big psychological component. So the vice president of our company is a health psychologist and ironically, she almost despises tracking macros and that kind of thing. And so, you know, there's this yin and yang relationship in our country, and our company, which is great yeah. because we want to show the full spectrum. And, and there's a, a massive amount of research on intuitive eating that if people are so obsessed with tracking macros and being perfect and weighing and measuring food for some people in their mental constitution, that it's almost like an addict. It's, it's they get too absorbed in, into those details and they feel like a failure if they're not doing it exactly the same way and perfectly. And so some people need a little bit more hand holding to lead them into intuitive eating and, and trusting the process. And like you said, if my goal is 200 grams of protein and I have 182 today, did I fail? You know, do I, do I really need to have 200? you know, 18 grams tomorrow to make up for it? Or is it just okay? Like that was an okay day and I can move on. Like, like, where are those lines? And and we as coaches have to understand that and then understand our clients kind of, kind of mental personalities and, and help them figure that out.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's really cool that your guys's team has that, that yin and yang factor. And, and you know, I often tell people like, there, there's always the two different types of clients. Some people you can kind of coach them into macros and it actually removes that OCD behavior. And then some people, it makes it worse. And you have to be careful with that. But oftentimes, I'll tell people simple stuff like, you know, like an average chicken breast is 26 grams of protein, I believe four ounces, right? There's no way for us to know that every single chicken had the same exact fat muscle hydration, and all yeah. that, you know what I mean? There's just no way. So yeah, I even tell them, like, even if you are spot on perfect, you're actually not, you're still just making a really good estimate. And that's great. But it's not perfect. And sometimes that really helps people be like, well, I guess it's pointless to be that neurotic about these numbers you know
1: absolutely I, and th- that is amazing Cody I love that example I'll I'll say the same thing often on the expenditure side mm. so okay you got your nutrition dialed in it's perfect every day is identical well what if you burn 2200 calories today and only 18 tomorrow and you know because your sleep cycles are different your training intensity so there's still so much variability that we're, we're really trying to get in the center of the lane as much as we can with our behavior. And then, you know, there's going to be a little drift here and there, but you're talking about a month's long process that is, is you know, the averages are what's important. And in my tracking with clients, that's one of the things I, I try to get them to look at is let's look at the, your net weekly average of carbohydrate. Let's look at your monthly average. Let's look at what February looked like compared to January. And, and now we can start getting some data that really matter because, you know, it's not just today.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we do the exact same thing. I'd be curious of your your take on this. I've uh, I've said before and I don't know if I if I got this from somebody or if it kind of just came to me, but um I've said that maintenance calories like your maintenance calories is a range, it's not a set in stone number because of some of the things that you just mentioned. Um and this is also why, you know, some people will be like, "Well, I created a 150 calorie deficit and I didn't lose weight." And I'm like, "Well, you're probably still kind of in that that maintenance range, um and your body probably adapted and moved a little bit less, um or you just didn't create a big enough deficit." But it kind of struck a chord with some people and they were really confused because their calculation said that their maintenance was 2,198 right. calories a day. You know, um, Would you agree with that statement? It's not something that I've heard anybody else really like say or put science behind it. To me, it just made sense intuitively from the research I've read into, but is that something you would agree with or, or explain to people?
1: Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head perfectly. And then there are even some sub points to that. So the the fact that if you're creating that calorie deficit, you you really don't know how much variance is there, even down to the the food sources that you mentioned. But then instantly in a calorie deficit, your metabolism does start to down-regulate a little bit. It just does, you know, as soon as as soon as you're in that calorie deficit, the amount of food that it takes to not lose weight. And then, assuming that biological math is going to be exactly linear, and if I get a 500-calorie day deficit for seven days, that's a pound of body fat. Well, you're you're not attributing any attrition to your metabolism, which is going to naturally happen. But then, a, a, a big huge hobby horse of a lot of people is is neat non-exercise activity thermogenesis, and the fact that as soon as you're in a your calorie deficit, you slow down a little bit. You don't get out of your chair quite as often. You don't you know, move your hands around as much when you're talking like I'm doing right now. You just slow down. And so a lot of coaches now are suggesting or prescribing a certain amount of steps per day or even little behavioral things. Set your alarm on your phone every hour, get up and walk for five minutes. Those are some really cool things. Uh, Eric Salazar did this little experiment that I think he actually got published as a study mm-hmm. where he started adding weight to his vest. So as if he lost five pounds, he added five pounds of his weight vest and would wear that all day long. And so he was making his body start using the same amount of calories. But then Cody, you get into things like just, you know, accuracy of tracking, how different are your food sources every day. And so you know, looking at those net weekly and monthly averages are are really critical. And then, you know, the, the biggest, the biggest, or I should say that the, the final thing I would say is everybody makes a mistake of assuming that things stay linear. And as you lose five pounds, 10 pounds, 20 pounds, your heart rate goes down, your respiration goes down, your muscular system doesn't have as much weight to carry around. And so you become more efficient. Your body's becoming leaner. And you require fewer calories. I mean, everybody thinks a, a charging, raving metabolism is the goal. And if you're healthy and you're lean, you have the world's best metabolism. That's when your metabolism is the lowest, which is a good thing. That's efficiency. That's anti-aging. That means your cells are not uh, you know, taxed as much, that, that oxidation down to the cellular level. So your metabolism drops the healthier you are. And if you want it to be higher, you have to work harder. You have to do more frequency or intensity of training to keep that up. So that's, a, that's another variable that people just don't consider.
0: That's a, a really good point because I've, all, I've heard somebody talk about like actually like obese people might have a faster metabolism than you because they have so much weight to be moving around. Hugely, hugely. Uh, what is your, not necessarily your argument, but more of like how you educate people when um this idea of like I can't lose weight because my metabolism is slow. Or um there's the people, you know, there's 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 two people. There's the people that say like they're spot on 100 percent tracking in they're in a deficit technically and they still don't lose weight. And then there's the science-based people that are saying you're doing something inaccurately. You're you're not in a deficit. And sometimes that's very true, but I think the way they're going about it is incorrect because it doesn't teach the person how to fix the problem. It just says like you're just doing it wrong and then walking away but how do you explain this to people? Cause it's, it's hard to tell people like, Hey, you're probably not doing it correctly because if you're in a deficit, you would, you would lose weight, you know, metabolism's right, right. not broken.
1: Yeah. So, so the first thing is to understand just the law of continuum, you know, everybody's on this hundred percent continuum. You can measure everything in a spectrum like that. So if, if I lose weight easily, and it's pretty simple. I just have to, you know, eat one less donut per day. I'm probably not going to hire a nutrition coach. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's probably not a big deal to me. So we tend to get kind of the hard cases anyway. And and metabolism is that continuum. Uh, I I have a, a female client right now, a pro who is just shredded, lean and still eating almost 2000 calories a day like like her high calorie days just a little refeed you know every week or so is almost 3000 calories a day well i also have and yes yeah, so, so so maybe that's kind of the top end of the continuum uh, i i've had a i had a male client one time in australia who could eat almost 10,000 calories a day uh, but think of all of the people at the other end i've also had women who had to go down to 800 calories a day because they were obese sedentary pcos hypothyroid and so that's just where they had to be. So we have to realize that continuum, first of all, and it's never going to be the same for everybody, but also only 5% of people in our society, at least have, have a hypothyroid condition, a metabolic condition. So to say my metabolism is broken or you know damaged at some level, it's just not true for 95% of people. And if it is then you can go take medication like there's synthroid and levothyroxine for that and you can you can work with your doctor on that um, th- the biggest issue is is truly the, the semantics and the behavioral aspects and you know this go to you but you've been coaching for a long time so h- how many clients have you had that didn't have much success and then they come back to you and say oh yeah i was i wasn't tracking accurately i was eating like an asshole, like, like binging and not telling you. And it just like, that happens to me all the time. Yeah. And, and and you've, you've worked your guts out for these people. You're looking at everything like a scientist trying to figure it out. And, and they were just, you know, it, it, you know, to their credit, it's not like they're horrible people. It's the wrong time of their life. Maybe they just didn't understand, you know, the kind of accuracy that was needed. But those are oftentimes the issues. Or you could find that path for them to lose you know you would find the right calorie amount
0: got it yeah i think i think it's it's can can be kind of frustrating for people but um it's actually surprising how many people i've had i've even had clients not even hire me again but email me apologizing
1: absolutely (laughs) for that
0: you know saying that like actually i just wasn't i wasn't following uh it accurately you mentioned uh a a client going to 800 calories and i think that's something that's going to kind of perk people's ears because that's a pretty low diet um, but the reason I want to talk about that is because, and I don't know if you've heard this before, but there's like these theoretical numbers that, that people throw out of like, anytime you get a woman below 1200, it's like, that's scary waters. That's an issue. Or for guys, it tends to be 1500. And firstly, I've always wondered, like, where did you get these arbitrary numbers that you just throw out? Um, and secondly, I've had to bring people lower than that to get on stage. Cause that's just what they needed. Um, Trying to explain to people that this isn't necessarily always harmful, it's not going to break their metabolism, anything like that is always kind of a hard bone to pick um, because it can seem destructive to bring people so low. But if their goals are extreme, I mean, sometimes that's just the nature of the sport. So I'd just be curious of, of I guess, that whole that whole dilemma or that, that that conversation people, that debate that people have of like going too low in calories and, and how you approach it and when you think it's necessary and how you get out of that after the fact.
1: Mm. Well you know I'm going to go back to your statement about knowledge and education and the fact that there there are just some things that you you have to know and going all the way back to the early 1900s they've done different versions of metabolic cart testing and, and calorie spectrometry st- uh, spectrometry so that they can figure these things out and the the best estimates the best repeatable studies show that the average adult human Male metabolism, basal metabolic rate is about 1650 calories. Average female, 1350. So again, go back to that continuum. That's average. That's baseline 50% yard line. Mm. That means 50% are even lower than that. Yeah. And, and, and as a basal metabolic rate, of course, we can make it a, a higher number functionally because they're doing some exercise, they're increasing calorie burning on, on the expenditure side. But, but still, there are going to be some people that are that low. And like you mentioned, that that's just what it took them, in your experience, to get there. Uh, it, what, the problem when people start thinking that this is kind of a contest, like, you know, we need to get your calories up to this level. Yeah, You start doing things. and I, I can't tell you how many women have come to our company because they had a coach say we have to build your metabolism up to 3000 calories a day or 2500 calories a day so they're taking these these poor young women and making them gain 30 40 50 pounds of body fat they didn't want because their coach told them they had to and it's just ridiculous i mean if if there's anything negligent and malpractice oriented in our field it's stuff like that people that don't have the knowledge the education and they're literally harming people. Uh, it, it's just, I, 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 I don't want to take anybody down to 800 calories a day either. Um, but if that's what it takes, because of their circumstances, their genetics, then they can either stay overweight and unhealthy, or they can do what it takes. Uh, it's just a, it's just a spectrum, a continuum.
0: I, I love that you said that, because it it almost does get to a like a competitive, like a coaching competitive nature of how high can I bring this person's calories? And then it's like, does that person even want to eat that much food? This is just getting ridiculous. Or like they used to have the whole like five carb you to death thing where they would just five carbs, five carbs, five carbs. When reverse dieting first started kind of getting popular. Um, and, and you know, there's, like people, like I, I believe you guys just had Jeff Alberts on uh, your mastermind series. Um, he's been on the podcast too. Somebody I've followed for a long time, but he's a great example. He talks about how low his calories get all the time because he's like, I don't do anything. I sit on my computer all day, and then I do a bodybuilding training session, and that's about it. Like very rarely am I <laughs> <laughs> super active. I don't need a whole lot, and and I think it just goes to show that you know, like even even that that 800 calorie example, uh, which again is kind of arbitrary because we're just talking in hypothetical generalities, but. Getting somebody that low, you're getting to a point where you're going beyond physiological homeostasis, your body doesn't want to get as lean as you need to be to get on stage, you know, so you have to kind of expect to do some things that your body's probably not going to want to do or push past limits that your body is trying to set for you, um, which is another hard thing to get through to people. But I think it's, it's really accurate um, from that, from that standpoint. Um, a direct question for you is uh, for reverse dieting. Um, <laughs> It's funny. There's so many different things I would love to just get your opinion on just in general, because so many people talk about it. But reverse dieting is one of those ones that's really bounced around a lot. Right. There's when it first started, it was a really, really slow process. And it was how high can we get your calories while keeping you lean? And then there was these guys that were shredded and they still felt like shit. And then it was like, okay, maybe we're doing this a little too slow. And then they got a little bit more aggressive. And then 3DMJ kind of came out with the recovery diet of like, no, we need an initial jump up in your calories to make you feel better first. Um, and I think obviously it depends on the severity of how lean you got, obviously, but how do you approach reverse dieting and how do you educate your coaches on that?
1: So this would be another really good, like etiology or the, the, the genesis of kind of question, because I probably 15 years ago wrote an article series that, that, and I, and I broke the phases of dieting into five phases. And my final phase was the metabolic building phase. And I was trying to show people that when you're entering a show, your, your best possible path forward to avoiding spillover and just being, you know, insulin sensitive and, and, and all those problems and just being too, uh, you know, being too difficult to fill out without spilling over is to be ready early and then gradually build your, your food and take up. And, and I, I happened upon this, like most things in science by accident in the fact that I had this client who was, uh, she was a really kind of an extreme ectomorph and really had a hard time getting her pro card. So even with me, I think it took you know, two or three shots. She kept getting second place, second place. We finally get her pro card. So she's going to do her pro debut. And starting January 1, she's got a spring show. Well, that show I think was canceled for some reason. And so we're delaying till summer. So I had to kind of pull back a little bit. And then uh, there was a family emergency or something. We had to pull, pull back from that. So now we're all the way into the fall. She's been dieting for seven or eight months, and I was able to physically see her. I, I visited her and I saw her working out, and I mean, glute striations, these like feather cross striations in her lower lats, and I just thought, holy shit! We still got four, five, six weeks before the show. We we have to start figuring out how to how to do this. You're too too lean already. Mm-hmm. So I start increasing her food, and it's funny you say the five carbs. Like, really, like five carbs is going to do a lot for you. Like, <laughs> like, you, like you really know, like, with all the variation in her day, as we talked about already. Yeah. But anyway, so, so in those next four to five weeks, I had gradually doubled her carb intake, almost doubled her fat intake. Her calories were now, you know, super, super high. She was, she was basically at, at maintenance levels of food. She had gained seven pounds, yet her body fat caliper measurements were cut in half. So, wherever she had like three millimeters is now 1.5 millimeters. So, she was getting leaner and leaner because you create that upward pressure. Now, you're metabolically spiraling kind of upward. You feed your body, you're stronger in the gym. You have more intensity, more output, more, you know, higher levels of meat. And so, you just have to keep shoveling more in. And because we were doing it very incrementally and with high quality food, She not only gets to the world, the WNBF World Championships, where she had a hard time getting a pro card, she wins the overall pro women, you know, world championships in bodybuilding. Uh, It was just insane because we took this person who was an ectomorph and so was never quite the leanest or never quite the biggest on stage. Now she looked bigger than the heavyweights because we had that food intake going up that high with time. It's, it's not like carbing up for a day. Mm-hmm. It's literally time, you know, over weeks in the gym to utilize that. And you're much more resilient to spill over and carb sensitivity. So, so to me, that was that fifth and final phase to get ready early before a contest. And then other, so I, I write about this in the magazines. So other people start seeing that and uh, Lane Norton Coined it reverse dieting. I, I still call it you know metabolic building, and he started using it after the diet and called it reverse dieting, um, or, or reversing into the show. You know people use it that way as well, but again it was it was a way to make sure you're not gaining body fat, but you're you're getting back up to those maintenance levels. Uh, obviously you can use it after the show as well as you should, just to not gain a bunch of you know unwanted body fat. But I, th- the one thing I would say. I agree with your version. Eric Helms is a super, super good friend of mine. And I I don't agree that you have to bring your body fat percent up rapidly so that you feel better and you function better. I think you can still do that incrementally, but you said it perfectly, Cody, in that it just depends. It depends on how you've been dieting. depends how lean you are, how long you've been there. Have you already been you know, building your food intake up anyway, because I have a lot of people, if they go through that metabolic building phase properly, the day of the show, they're already at off-season levels. They're not hungry. They're not craving a lot of foods. They're just, they're fine. They just cruise off into the off-season, you know, and then we we build from there. So that's, that's kind of the win-win for me is you just don't have to worry about it.
0: Yeah. I I think, uh, I'm glad it's always refreshing when you, when you, when I get the affirmation from somebody like you about how, how I approach it, but a lot of the people I work with, um, although I have one of my coaches does most of the, the women who get on stage stuff and I've put quite a few people on stage. Most of the people we work with, I call them like advanced gen pop, they're gen pop, but they're really into this shit and they want the more advanced scientific approach. And a lot of times I have no problem going pretty slow because they don't get so shredded that I'm like really concerned for their health. Whereas I think if, if you do get completely shredded, it's obviously like, okay, maybe we give you a little nudge because in the case that you mentioned, if we couldn't reverse you into the show, you finish the show, you're eating 800 calories, I know you're starving. <laughs> I'm like, let's, let's right. give you a good bump at first. Um, so that's, I mean, that's perfectly well said. I love that. Uh, one of the things that you posted about recently was the whole, we talked about it before, the carb, the higher carb approach. Um, and this is something I've been a fan of for a long time, actually, just from a more of an intuitive side of things. And then I started digging into the science behind it. But originally, I just was like, well, what did bodybuilders do? Because I've always kind of looked at like the science of bodybuilding is going to help me with gem pop people. They know fat loss better than anybody. And I watched what their diets look like for stage. And they always had a lot of carbs and lower fat. And then the, you know, the paleo movement came out and the keto movement came out. And uh, I think people exaggerate how important fats are for your health. Like, granted, they are important, but I think, you know, they're not going to supercharge your testosterone if you just keep eating more fats. Uh, I would love for you to break that down because I've tried many times in the podcast. I've talked to many clients. I've had great success with people following a, a lower, not like a scary low, but like a moderately low fat, higher carb approach and seeing great fat loss results when they come to me saying... I've been trying this low carb thing and it's not working and I don't know why because, you know, I'm, I'm avoiding insulin kind of spikes right. and um, break that down for us. Like what inspired that post and how do you go about it with clients?
1: Yeah. Well, it, 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 I'm glad you brought up that word that the insulin, the, the insulin theory of weight loss, first of all, because this is what a lot of the ketogenic people hold to is that if you, if you raise insulin, you know, through carbohydrate intake, then it's bad, bad, bad. You can't lose body fat. So, so this one particular study I broke down, I, I did a, an open, you know, lecture, anybody could join last week. And it's okay, let's, let's look at an actual study. Let's look at a metabolic ward study, where it's not self reported, you don't get to go home and eat a bunch of ice cream, and then come back and say that you stayed keto, just give me my paycheck for being a subject in the study. You're literally an inpatient, and you can only eat what they feed you. And Dr. Kevin Hall, the director of nutrition at the NIH, you know, he's the one who does these kinds of studies. He's, he's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had a, a certain amount of subjects, it was almost 20 people, and they would do these studies uh, and, and flip. And so if you're in the ketogenic group now, and you go through the study, you go home for two weeks, kind of wash out, you come back, they baseline out your diet, everybody eats the same for five days. And then now you're in the other group, now you're in the high carb group. And so they got to compare you to you, your performance, to your performance. This group to this group, in, in both contexts, and what they found is that in, in every single inpatient study proves this, Cody, that you will always lose more body fat, it, calorie for calorie, in isocaloric study with higher carbs and lower fat instead of higher fat, lower carbs, for a multitude of reasons. But number one is your your body is is your body uses carbs more than anything. I mean, every cell in your body prefers glucose as energy. The Krebs cycle is based on using carbs, you know, to, to create energy ATP. And so can you survive without carbs and eat more fat? Absolutely, you can. Matter of fact, when you, when you don't have any carbs available, you can gradually become so keto adaptive that your body is 40% more efficient at using fat as energy. And a lot of keto proponents key in on things like that. Oh, your body's 40% more adept at using fat. Yeah, but your metabolism has fallen so far that it's still not more. Like if you kept your carbs up, you would actually be burning more body fat. It's, it's mm-hmm. like the argument between low intensity, high intensity cardio. So, so this particular study, which is one of many that have been done, uh, showed that people, the same amount of calories... And everybody got exactly what they needed. Their their metabolisms were tested with metabolic carts, And so each person got the level of food they wanted. The exact percentages were the same. And the, the higher carb, lower fat group lost twice as much body fat. And here's the thing. Their metabolisms stayed the same. The people on the keto, their metabolism started declining instantly. By the end of one week, they had already dropped about a hundred calories a day in metabolic capacity. So you lose more lean body mass doing keto. You, you end up losing metabolic capacity doing keto. Everybody knows you feel like shit. I mean, cause your brain can't use, you know, your brain wants glucose. Um, and, and, and so there's just, there is absolutely no reason. You even mentioned testosterone. A, everybody says, because it makes sense. Oh, Testosterone is a cholesterol-derived hormone, so I've got to eat my steak, and I'll, you know, I have more testosterone. The higher fat intake you have, the lower your testosterone. There's just not one single thing that a low-carb diet does better than a higher-carb, low-fat diet. There's just not one. I, I, it's so bizarre how this continues to be the
0: craze. Yeah, and and, and you know what's funny too is everything you just said has nothing to do with the fact that carbs are way more likely to help you maintain muscle mass too while you're doing fat loss. I mean, they're, they're protein sparing. It's going to help you train harder, obviously. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but insulin is an anabolic hormone. It's why drug using bodybuilders inject insulin in their body. So if insulin makes you obese, I doubt competitive bodybuilders would be injecting it into themselves to get leaner for stage.
1: Well, that, that's why I said I was happy you used that word even in your question is because in this study... Insulin levels were higher in the carb eating group. They were higher because they were eating carbs. But guess what? They still lost twice as much body fat. So, fat loss is not about insulin. It's A, about total calories, obviously. I mean, that's the biggest duh moment you could have in this conversation. But then, if you're going to really compare super, super strict keto versus higher carb diets, Absolutely every part of, of the uh, the question comes down to the fact that carbs outperform for this, for what you said, they're more anabolic, they're more metabolic, they're, they're just, you know, it's, 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 it's a, it's an issue of management, you know, yes, we eat too much carbohydrates sometimes in the Western diet, 70% of us are overweight or obese, but you know what, we also eat a lot more of freaking fat. I mean, look at the people eating out in, you know, a restaurant twice a day, drive-throughs, the processed foods, of course, your carbs are higher, but your fats are twice as high as they were 50 years ago or, or more. Uh, and, and so again, we've just been looking at the the wrong end of the horse on that one.
0: Yeah. And I've even ran into people like, uh, I, I, like even my massage therapist, like went keto and she actually did it because uh, she has epilepsy and they recommended to her and she lost a bunch of weight. But when I was talking to her about it, cause she knows I'm a nutritionist. It, she didn't really understand like really why she lost a bunch of ways, Cause she just stopped eating carbs, but she actually started eating to- like altogether less calories. Cause she didn't add fats into it. So I was like, you might be doing keto or you might just be eating way less food. And that's why you're losing weight. And that's why you feel better. So um, there's a lot of people who just completely misunderstand it, but I think you said it so well. And there's so many people. In fact, I just talked to a um, actually a police officer that's working with us now just this week. And, uh, that was one of his things. He was like, I've, I'm like afraid to eat carbs because of everything I've read. And and I'm like, man, if there's anybody who needs carbs, it's right. you. You're a police officer on shift hours. Like, dude, like, and you want to build muscle because he doesn't, he's on a, not on a fat loss journey. Like he's already okay. lean. He wants to get bigger. So, um, but I think it's re- really reassuring for people to hear this kind of stuff, especially from somebody like you who has so much clout um, in the industry. But um, I do want to respect your time and there's still something I want to bring up. So we're going to kind of shift gears a little bit. And I'd mm-hmm. love for you to kind of, um, and this is where the shameless plug comes in. Cause I'm a big fan. Obviously I've been uh, a proponent and a subscriber of, uh, your, your global mastermind for a while now, actually ever since the first webinar, I signed up right away, but, um, I want you to be able to explain that, but also tell us why you started it. Like why, like what, what problem were you seeing with nutrition coaching as a whole? And, and what made you get into this and want to fix that? Whatever that was. Yeah.
1: I'm glad you, you mentioned this because I, I said when I started my career, there, there was no intent. You know, I was just doing what I like to do and helping the people who are coming to me and, and I bought this gym and, you know, my career kind of went in that direction. But, but now with this much time and experience, I've, I've been able to really survey and, and monitor the industry and see where the biggest needs are. And, and as my tagline, you know, says, equipping the next generation of nutrition coaches I know there's just a, a massive need there. And, and I feel like since I, I started a lot of this stuff, you know, there's, there's an opportunity. It's, it's, I almost feel the responsibility to jump in and help. So, so my company, The Diet Doc, is a, a place that licenses nutrition consultants. We have a medical director. We've got dietetics people. You know, we, 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 we can license people so they have the legal ability to do this in all 50 states. They can be nutrition coaches. Uh, and we started out doing that, uh, and it was massively successful because that was kind of the only path people had, but then a lot of people just didn't care. They just thought, well, everybody's doing it. I can do it. And so I saw the need to at least give them the knowledge, you know, and and I won't talk about this a lot, but there's a lot of changes going on in state legislatures with, with dietetics laws and language like that. And so it is becoming more favorable to do it without being an RD or an MD. So then I, I, I co-created the National Academy of Metabolic Science so we could certify people. You, you, you don't want to be in our company with our support and all that in a kind of a franchise model. Then here you can at least be certified and go through a, a process and get the education and, and, and just like a certified personal trainer. And that worked really, really well. But then there was kind of this little gap in the middle where I saw people who were growing their businesses and they they had the certifications, they had the knowledge, but they now there's all this competition, and they don't know how to grow a business. So I started my Apex Coach Fitness Professional Nutrition Coaching uh, Mentorship Program. So this is just business development. It's your brand. You're not inside the Diet Doc Company. You're not a licensed practitioner with us. It's your brand, and I'm helping you as a business coach grow your business, become the next legendary coach, do what you wanna be the next Cody. Uh, so, so, so now it's like the licensing program, business development, certification. So I'm creating this, this this vertical integration model without even really knowing it. And then I thought, okay, what's the very top of that pyramid? You know, Now that we have all these coaches out there, there's not really a standard of practice. There's, there's no governing agency, there's nothing. And so I asked Eric Helms to jump in with me and we created a founding board for the Nutrition Coaching Global Mastermind. And I've created this to be almost like the American Medical Association or something like that where you know all the medical doctors belong and, and they, they, they kind of survey the land and say, here are the best practices. So we're creating this and it's, it, it is what it says, the Nutrition Coaching Global Mastermind. You can jump in, we have guest hosts and a topic every single month. And you're learning what's happening on the cutting edge of the industry. You're learning all the things the top coaches know. And we're doing this in a way to create the standards of practice for the entire field. Because someday I want nutrition coaching to be an ally, a recognized allied health division educationally. You know, just like occupational therapy, physical therapy, speech therapy, those kind of things registered dietitians in in the dietetics world is there. They're part of that, but personal training, nutrition, coaching, those things are kind of ungoverned certified things out there on the periphery. At some point, that's going to have to change and there's going to have to be some systematic standards of practice. And, and so that's why I created this. It's, you know, that's kind of my long-term vision for it, but for right now it's at least bring the best people together so for ten bucks a month, if you're a coach, I, I think it's incredibly valuable. We, we have people like Dr. Bill Campbell on, uh, you know, people like Lauren Conlin. Obviously, you know, you, you mentioned Jeff Alberts was on uh, just just this week. So I, I really have a lot of fun with that because it's almost like, you know, the, it's the giving back part. It's, it's here's here's what we can do to help those coaches really become the best at what they do.
0: Yeah, and and for anybody listening. Uh, Everybody you just mentioned has been on the podcast, as well as Eric Helms, as well as uh, Mike Dola, uh, um, Eric Trexler, like a lot of people that have been on throughout your masterminds and your webinars. So for those of you listening, you've heard them speak on a very casual manner, like if you want to be able to get access to legit presentations with them, this is the place to go it's it's it really is something cool. I was really excited when you launched it. And, and I think it's something super powerful and super useful for all the people listening, because I know there's so many nutrition coaches listening to this. So obviously we'll link that in the show notes. Uh, it's ridiculously cheap for the value you're getting. So <laughs> I, I think everybody, it's a no brainer to jump on that. Um, before I let you go, can you also uh, give us your other stuff? So like I'll link the the global mastermind in here, but give us like your website for uh, the diet doc or the flexible dieting Institute, your Instagram, which I, you everybody listening should go follow him immediately because uh i don't know how you don't have hundreds of thousands of followers compared to some of the people that are that do and are putting out information because man your your content is so so good and it's so trustworthy that it just doesn't make sense to me so like i want to send people over there but um give us your instagram give us uh everything you do i I think you're pretty present on youtube as well um that way everybody can go check out all that you have to offer
1: Appreciate that, man, a lot. Uh, my Instagram and Facebook is just my name, Joe Klemzeski. And uh, our YouTube channel is The Diet Doc. You, know, you can go to The, the Diet Doc. Uh, I think it's permanent weight loss, but The Diet Doc will get you there. Uh, one thing we didn't mention is I, I do a, a daily podcast here. It's called Contest Prep University for mm-hmm. people who are doing that. So you can find that on YouTube or our channel. So thedietdoc.com is the hub for everything. If, if you go to flexibledietinginstitute.com, that's, that's another one of those things I'm, I'm, tr- I'm creating just to let people know that the whole segment we talked about flexible dieting and, and how there's so much need for structure and flexibility together. It's a place to just get rid of all of the fluff and say, here is how this works. Uh, it's, it's a place that I put all of my clients kind of into, and, and it's, it's, just, it's just a great way to explain it. So, so the diet Diet.com, flexible And then my, my social media handles is just Joe Klimzeski.
0: Which I know 50%, if not more people listening, to this will not know how to spell that last name. So go into the show notes. Uh, I had to look twice. Um, I pronounced it right though, when I was saying it out loud. So that I'm glad about that, but um, check it out in the show notes, guys, give him a follow, go check out his website. I can't recommend it enough. Uh, if you trust me, then you can definitely trust him. Cause I've taken away a lot from, from Dr. Joe over the years. So man, thank you so much for spending time with me. I really, really do appreciate it.
1: Likewise, Cody, hope for more, man. You're, you're, you're a great guy. And I know you're doing some amazing things with your coaches and clients. So appreciate you having me. Thank you.